0: But the moment you begin to realize that this is the work of God, then it affects your attitude in a certain way again. It affects your attitude towards the leadership. It affects your attitude towards the programs of this ministry because you see God in it. Amen. Some people are never used by God because everything they do they think is their own idea. They don't see God's purposes in their lives. They don't see, you know, what Isaiah, is it Isaiah or Jeremiah was told by, before you were born, when you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. I ordained you to be a prophet before you, even, you, before you were even born. So, as long as we think this is our idea, it affects our attitudes. Amen. It affects our attitudes. So, then what happens, then sometimes we, 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 we touch the ark and we burn ourselves to death <laughs> because we don't, we don't know. We don't see God in the situation. I know a lot of people who are miserable. They have got miserable marriages. They are miserable at work. They never get promoted. They don't have good relationships with their peers and so forth. But they don't see the connection between that and the way they handle the things of God. They don't see that. And they are perpetual sufferers. And it's a tragedy. Things which can just change through the change of attitude towards what God is doing. And people become perpetual sufferers. I think one of the worst things in life is the inability to connect. Why things that are happening are happening. There are certain situations at work... In marriages and so forth, which are never going to be resolved until there's a change of attitude. It's not going to happen through the laying on of hands. It's not going to happen. There has to be a change in attitude. Amen. So we we need to see all these things. You know, just uh, uh, three weeks ago, the Lord said to me, I want you to write everything supernatural that happened to you. And I'm actually on the seventh chapter right now everything supernatural that happened because you know we get so used to these things and we don't see god we don't see god one day in 1980 the lord said to me i want you to go i want you to go and preach in this place i got an invitation to go and minister in this school this mission school anglican mission school in some remote area in the southeastern highlands i got a train went there and dropped in a small town where i was supposed to catch a bus to go to that school at the station i left my bag in the cloakroom my jackets and everything were in that bag because i thought i was coming back the same day so i got a bus and went to this school i got there and they told me i couldn't preach that day on a saturday but the following day there were 600 students in that school and one of the peop- one of the students they started telling one of the leaders student leaders told me you can't preach in this place these guys go out to drink on sunday mornings they come back drunk and they just disrupt the meeting nobody has ever ministered in this place successfully so i said well god is good because he he gave me a day before the the time that i was supposed to minister so i went on a fast and i was praying and i was binding every negative spirit that worked in that school and then the following morning. We went into the auditorium, and there were all these 600 students. And I had always been working in, 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 in colleges, and I knew what, what to expect in high schools. But I walked into that place, and the guy who was in charge came up to me, and he says, at 12 o'clock, even before 12 o'clock, make sure you have concluded your message, because once the uh, lunch bell rings, all these guys are going to stampede out of here, and you won't have anybody to preach to. So he was telling me all these things that these guys normally do, and things that I needed to watch out for. I started preaching at about 10 o'clock. Come quarter to 12, I was about to stop. I said, okay, I think I need to round up my message now because you guys have to go for lunch. And all of them unanimous, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. I preached till three o'clock in the afternoon. Not even one person walked out of that meeting. Everybody accepted Jesus. The whole school coming forward to receive 600. I laid hands on everybody, 600 students prayed for all of them. When I finished praying, they all walked me to the bus stop. I was like the Pied Piper of Hamelin with all those students <laughs> walking me to the bus stop. And I left and went to to the station. Now I'm going back home. You know, I got to the station. The train was leaving in an hour. And I, I went to the clock room to grab my bags. I got there. The clock room was closed. And I looked for the First official I could see in the station. So this man said, Look, I need my bags. They're in there. You know, I'm I'm getting onto this train because they were not supposed to be closed at that time. And then he says, Well, the station master is not here. He's gone. So forget it. He'll come back tomorrow. I mean, it was freezing cold. I didn't know anybody in that town. I knew there would be nowhere to sleep. And I couldn't go and leave my my bag in there. And I just thought, How can God do this to me? You know, and you know, the, the station masters those days, unfortunately, were were some really racist white guys that was before that was soon after independence. because jobs like that you no blacks would ever work like a station master so they were reserved for white people and normally you'd have some really nasty guys working in there and they would never come to open the clock room for a black guy or anything it wouldn't happen so i knew nothing was going to happen i walked out of that station went out through the door and walked about a hundred meters away from the entrance into a bushy area. It was dark in there. And I'm standing there, my back is towards the, the station entrance, and I'm saying, Lord, how can you do this to me? I've, I've been that God for second place out there. I've preached. I've laid hands on 600 students. You know, I, I'm tired. It's cold. I don't know anybody. How, how can you do this to your servants? You know, that's, those were my exact words. How can you do this? And my back is to the entrance of the station. And i felt a light touch on my shoulder and i turned around and there's this white guy wearing a brown corduroy jacket brown trousers and he's looking at me He says are you the fellow who is looking for his bag and i said yeah he says well follow me but i thought his eyes were kind of strange you know he, everything was okay but his eyes were like never seen eyes like that. you guys have strange eyes sometimes you have blue green eyes but those ones were like never seen anything like that so we, I followed the guy, um, and we we got to the clock room, and he stood at the door, and he, he just opened the door of the clock room. He said, "You go in there and get your bag." And again, I thought this is strange because they don't do stuff like that. They ask for the ticket and stuff, and then but he just said, "Just go in there and get your bag." So I went in and I walked among all those shelves and I found my bag, and I came back and I said to, I said, "Thank you," you know, and he just standing you know, and I. As I'm walking away from him, there are hundreds of people who also have their bags in there. So they start running towards us, and they get there, and I heard it very clearly. They said, we also have our beds in there. And he said, I only opened for this one. And he closed the door and locked it. And I was so excited, I said... You know for more than six seven years i would preach about this miracle i said you know god sent this racist white guy to open the door for me just to get my bed you know god works miracles and i I always used to speak about this this powerful because it was powerful but you know one day i'm I, i was going to minister somewhere and the lord starts talking to me about angels and he's talking to me about angels. Then he says to me, who is the guy who opened the clock room for you? And I'm like, what? Then suddenly, you know, his face just comes, wham, it's right there. And those eyes. And you know, I just started weeping because I knew that, that was an angel. Wow. If it was the station master, how did you find, how did he find you where you were? I was standing a hundred meters away from the entrance in the bush. And again, it's unthinkable those days for a guy to come and do that for you. Why didn't he ask for the ticket? Why did he say to those other people, I only opened for this one? Because if he had come back, he was just supposed to allow everybody to get their bags. But very clearly, he just stood there and he says, I only opened for this one. It was powerful. Amen. It was powerful. Our walk is a supernatural walk. When you get saved and you receive Jesus as your personal Savior, you are ushered into the supernatural. There is so much that happens around us, but many times we don't even realize it. We don't even realize it. We were having a crusade. And I remember the first night I walked in, this big auditorium which sits about 2,000, 2,500. It's jam-packed with people. And when I stand up to preach, there's this guy... He's sitting he's sitting on the on the edge of the chair, and his feet are like where you sit. And he's right in front of me, right on the first row. I get up to preach, and I'm looking at him, and he's staring at me. He's huge. His arm is like my thigh. You know, he's sitting there. And there are 2,000 people behind him. And my ushers don't want to mess around with that. <laughs> they just leave him there. So something just told me, don't do anything about it. Leave him. The second day the guy is there again the third day he's there again you know, I'm, I'm really getting worried about this is the lord I, I think i need to do something about this guy you know the lord says don't even say anything just leave him there and my ashes they don't need any encouragement they are not going to go near the guy because <laughs> he's a huge massive guy then i get home and i say lord what's that thing you know i'm preaching about the power of god and so forth and there's this guy challenging everybody like goliath you know and the lord says i want you to pray and bind and pull down the spirit of uh, mockery i remember i said mockery so i i bind the spirit of mockery in that place and i pull it down in jesus name and so forth the following day i go back to the meeting and as i'm walking in one of the pastors hands me a, a letter written on a full-scape page, both sides. And the letter is saying, Dear, dear man of God, I just want to apologize for my behavior in the last three nights. And apparently this, this is what had happened. He, he chronicled all, all the stuff in the letter. He said, he he went, to, he went home on Wednesday night, got into bed, slept. Sometime during the night, somebody or something shook him awake. And he wakes up and he sees this huge guy bigger than him his head almost hitting the ceiling he's standing at his bedside says what have you been doing to my servants what are you trying to do why are you disrupting those meetings and i mean the guy says he was just shaking he was terrified this man says to me i want you to go tomorrow you find the pastor apologize to the pastor you ask for permission to stand before everybody and apologize to the whole you know group of people who are in there and if you don't do it i'm coming back tomorrow <laughs> so he writes this letter and and i meet with him there there was, there was some you know what do you call it okay okay but just was hanging clothes in front of the stage I i go behind those and he He comes there and he says look pastor i'm really sorry about what is happening. i mean the guy is really humble you know it's not the same guy anymore so i said to him no just go and sit in the crowd it's okay i mean if you have seen your mistake that's fine and he said well are you not going to allow me to talk to the people i said no you don't have to talk to them you know i'm the authority here you go and he says i'm not going to do anything like that that guy is coming back tonight you have to let me talk to these people you know so so i said okay okay you talk to the people and uh He spoke to, his name was Free Time. You have some really wild names in Africa. Free Time. So, and after that, he he got saved that night. And we fellowshiped with him for quite a while. Uh, And then I think he moved to another town. But, you know, for the first time, I said, this is God's work. (laughs) You know, after that incident. You see, I'm getting back to the issue where all the time we think, hey, I started this ministry and, you know, I, I did this. But this is God's work. God is interested in this work. You know anybody who tries to mess around with this where well, god is going to deal with him and it was powerful and you know this gave me confidence you know so now every crusade i held i had this feeling that there were these big guys walking around the auditorium you know at the stage people couldn't see them but they were there if anybody messed around with us you know they would have to contend with these fellows because i knew they would be there because our calling is a supernatural calling hallelujah it's a supernatural calling we are not just people who are thrown out there into the fray you know and to you know god is on our side god is with us hallelujah and you know just after that it wasn't many weeks i went into this place to preach again but now i'm conscious of all these angels and so fear is a result of ignorance When you don't know who is with you or how many are with you. When we went to this third place, again, we are right in the middle of the meeting. I'm just about to stand up to preach. Two days before, two well-known Muslims had been saved. It was a mining town. And you have a lot of Muslims from foreign countries outside Zimbabwe in the mining towns. Two Muslims got saved. One of them is one of our most powerful evangelists in our ministry. So he got saved and the night before he gave a powerful testimony about how God had changed his life and he was telling us what they used to do as muslims and all this stuff you know just totally you know exposing everything then just before i preached the door was thrown open at the back and again this huge guy comes in and he's got a, he's wearing one of those um, waistcoats he doesn't have a shirt in just to show off his muscles and stuff and he's yelling, who was insulting Allah here yesterday? Who was insulting Allah here yesterday? And again, my ushers disappeared into <laughs> the <laughs> congregation. I mean, terrible things were happening. You know. It's like all of them. I, I'm looking around for the ushers. There is no usher. And this guy is just coming. He's just coming. He's just coming. And I'm there. I'm not too sure what to do with him. But again, you know, I remembered the big guy. We had dealt with free time. And the angel had opened the door for me, you know, to get my clothes at the clock room and stuff. So this guy walks and he gets right in front of the, of, the, of the stage. And something just told me, you go and grab his hand and take him out of here. And I got off the stage and I put my hand on his hand and he just became jelly. I walked that guy out, you know, he's, and people are like, what? And when we got to the entrance, I said, next time you want to have a meeting for Allah, book your own auditorium. You know, just go away. But you know, this is, this is God. <laughs> this is God. Now, as I said, I'm just giving a testimony. We need to be aware that our walk is a supernatural walk. God has called us. There are angels all around us. Amen all this stuff that is happening you see god's eyes on you because he said to me i only opened for this one god will only open for you now i know there's a lot of stuff happening even with the september 11 attack and things like that and i just want to say to you you know despite the fact that we have governments which can stand for us who can do things for us We need to uh, to be aware that there are some things which are going to happen anyway because it's the times we need to be aware of that the our governments our military strength and power is only going to go so far but there are things which are just going to happen anyway because these are the times and this is one of the things that god has been showing me in the last couple of years what is important is for you to know that god is saying I will only protect this one why because of your relationship with him these are the times zimbabwe is going through a lot at the moment i've always wanted to have my own house but we never could build a house we never could buy a house we never could build a house we just got to a point where I said to my wife, Look, let's just be comfortable where we are until God does something because the, the, the situation that doesn't allow. But I believe there are certain times when the economy in our country was better than it is now, when there was a possibility for us to do so. But this year was out completely. They, people just were not doing anything because prices had gone wild. People were just doing what they wanted in terms of pricing. No control from the government or whatever. It was just terrible. Bread went up from something like $10 to $65. Just bread. For me to go to the capital city, just a year ago, it was, I needed about $1,000 in fuel. Now I need $6,000 in fuel. So if I have to travel all over the country, you're talking not less than a hundred thousand dollars. It's unreal, it's wild, you don't even want to budget. But I'll tell you that this year we built a house. We built a massive house. God built us a house. <laughs> Somebody just came to us and said, You build the house. I want you to design a house you want. Don't even worry about the cost. Design it. I am going to pay everything. Right now we have gone through seven million dollars on that house. It's Zimbabwe dollars, but seven million dollars in Zimbabwe is still seven million dollars. <laughs> still a lot of money. We designed it, you know, we have a big bedroom, me and my wife, and it's got an, a lounge. Connected to it, our own bathroom, a walk-in wardrobe, it's, it's a room on its own, And the kids, we made sure their bedrooms were as far away from ours as possible. <laughs> nice place. But God paid for it. And you know, just when we, you know, God, our God is an incredible God. You know, when we started building, I was driving in Harare, and I'm driving past this auction. And the voice of the Lord says to me clearly, go into that auction. I don't normally, I don't frequent auctions. But the Lord says, go into that auction. And I'm with another guy, and I say, the Lord just told me to go into that auction. I went, well, let's go. Well, we went in there, and we, we walked into the main area where they stock all the stuff. They will be auctioning. But somehow I just felt like going to the back. And I walked there into the back, and I discovered that they had furniture in there which had come from the American Embassy. I think they had, I, I don't know, maybe they assigned too many officers in Zimbabwe, and they brought all this expensive, beautiful furniture. I mean, nice oak stuff. It was, and then they just decided it had to be auctioned. And when I got there, no, most people didn't even know that this stuff was there. So one of the guys who worked at the auction, he said to me, look, this th- this stuff is going to be auctioned on Saturday. These guys don't really care how much it goes for. They just want to get rid of it. I couldn't believe it. And it was right in the middle of the month, and people don't go for auctions in the middle of the month. So I was one of the first people to get there, and I got all the furniture that we would need in that, that house for, for nothing. So as we were building, the furniture was all already there. The only thing that was left, I said to my wife, I want a double door fridge in here, which with, which has an ice maker and stuff like that. You don't build a house like this. Just put some miserable little thing in the kitchen. You get <laughs> nice fridge. I said, I want a double door in there. So we, we went around in Zimbabwe trying to get a double door fridge. I mean, the $700,000, it was crazy. Then the Lord, I had some meetings, some leadership meetings in South Africa. I fly to South Africa on my way back. In Johannesburg, i i said to a friend i just want to check the prices in here so we went around and looked at some of them and they were very reasonable in south africa then as we were leaving i bumped into this guy that i last met more than actually it's more than 20 years ago i i lived with this guy i literally looked after him in my house i was still a young pastor unmarried but i lived with him and took care of him for years for more than three years then he went away to nigeria to school came back to south africa now he's some big businessman in south africa we met there was a lot of said, what are you doing here oh we just come to check some things in here did you find the things you wanted yeah i saw them but i'll come back for them later when the lord gives me the money He says well let's go and see what those things are so we go back into the shop shop. he says what did you want i said well i wanted this uh, fridge and uh, one or two other items he said well we are buying this stuff i said well i don't have any money he says i'm buying this stuff for you and i'm shipping it over to zimbabwe my (laughs) My wife called me on Saturday and said the staff was at home now. So the house is completely finished. This is a supernatural walk. Amen. I don't care what it is that you are thinking. God can do it. God can do it. God can do it. Amen. Amen. If you are in the right place. If you are waiting upon Him, God can do it. He can do it. Let's just read this scripture here in Isaiah. Shout for joy, O barren! That's verse one. You who have borne no child, break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not travailed, for the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman says the Lord now here you 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 see if you are barren it means there's something wrong with your whole physical system maybe there's something wrong with your uterus if you are a man maybe you whatever it is there's something wrong with you physically when you're barren and then the other thing might be that you just don't have a mate you don't have a wife you don't have a husband There is no way you can have children without a husband or a wife. And there is no way you can have kids if if there is something physically wrong with you, with your reproductive system. But you see, the statement here is, look, despite all that, you are going to have more. In conditions which are not conducive. Because God doesn't work with that. Conditions don't have to be conducive. It doesn't matter what the... Now, what I'm saying here is despite what is going to be happening in the world, God is still capable of taking care of you. The Bible says 10,000 will fall on your right hand, 1,000 on your left. None of these things shall come nigh thee. God will take care of his own. You see, it's uncomfortable, but we have to accept that we are going to see more deaths amongst people of our countries who don't believe in the Lord. And we will see God taking care of his own. It's not good, it's not nice, but it's going to happen. If a book were to be written of the testimonies That happened at the World Trade Center, of how believers, things happened to stop them from going to work. How angels intervened. I actually know of three brothers who worked in the World Trade Center. Stayed in the same house, woke up. The other one said, I'm not feeling well, I'm not not going to work. So he remained at home. The other one went and proceeded into the building. Then the other one, as he was walking into the building, despite the fact that he had had breakfast, felt so hungry, he knew he couldn't work. So he walked to his brother's office and said, will you just, let's just walk to the little restaurant across the street. I feel so hungry. And the other one is saying, look, we had breakfast together. He said, no, I I don't think I can work. I feel so hungry. I am having cramps here. So they, they went out there. And as they were eating out there, that's when that thing hit. That's how God works. It said, you know, I looked at that thing. I looked at uh, the worst thing was seeing people perched on windows, knowing there was no way out of there. I wouldn't like to find myself in a situation like that. It was terrible. But like I'm saying to you, the Lord began to deal with me two years ago. In Zimbabwe there, we had Zimbabwe, southern part of Zimbabwe, and in Mozambique, they had these floods. I mean, thousands of people died. These are the times. These are the times. Some things we'll be able to deal with, some things we won't be able to deal with, because it's the times. But you have to find yourself in there. What is your relationship with the Lord like? If God can build you a house when everybody else can't, it means a lot. It means I am not going to be affected by the spirit of the times. People come to see that house and it just beats them. He's just a pastor. But my God is big. He's a big God. That is not the only thing that happened this year. For the first time i decided i said i want to make there is no pastor's child in zimbabwe who should fail to go to school or college because there is no money it shouldn't happen we have so many pastor's kids who are bitter who hate our god simply because certain things didn't happen for them because of the nature so-called nature of the profession of their parents So I started an organization called the Levite Endowment Trust. And I I began to work on the paperwork just to raise money for pastor's children. Began to work on the the paperwork. But I'll tell you that God is an incredible God. Most people didn't even know about this. Nobody knew about this because I was still working on the paperwork. One man came to me and he gave me half a million Zim dollars. And said, I want you to put this. Into the pastor's fund that you have begun. He, he, he at least knew about it. So that was the first miracle. And I'm like, what? Then during the Destiny Conference, I went to pick a, Pastor Phil Nodin, who was one of the speakers in Harare. And we are, as we were driving to Gueru, he had the equivalent of a half a million dollars in, in, in US dollars with him. And he said, Our church raised this, and they said it's specifically for pastors and their children. And we, we feel you know what to do with it. And I've got this thing going. Then at the conference, they were there. One businessman stood up and placed $1 million. We haven't even launched this fund. We haven't even started telling people about it. We didn't even have a bank account for it. Now you tell me what is going to happen when it becomes public. God can do anything. Amen. Amen. God can do anything. So, more. Your children are going to be more. You are going to do. Look, if you have never done anything, I want to tell you that now you are going to do more. Because then it will be obvious that it is God who is doing it and not you.